What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. I want you to turn to Genesis uh, 3.8 is where we're going to start, please. Last week, we basically laid the foundation that in order to abide in Christ, in order to uh, have this, this movement, which is the with God life, you have to be convinced that God loves you. You have to believe that God loves you. Now, most of us here, we believe that to a certain level, but the question is, can you believe it more? And I would submit to you, you can. And so a prayer of mine that is constant, God, convince me of your love. Convince me of your love. I want to believe it more, God. Genesis 3.8. We're going to just take a glimpse or a, a, a drive-through of the Bible today so you can see the overarching theme of the Bible. So, Genesis 3.8. They have rebelled against God. They sinned. And it says this, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They were hiding from God. They had rebelled against God. God still came to walk with them. This is God. There was a lie that I believed when I was little because the enemy set up a stronghold. What is a stronghold? Well, it's, it's a lie. It could potentially be demonic. But the lie was I had to quit sinning before I go talk to God. If I had just knew this worse, that he's coming to me even when I'm trying to hide. I want you to turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. In our rebellion, he comes to us because he is love and he loves us. Psalm 23, 4. Most of us know uh, this passage, but for me, this is the most important phrase in the whole of Psalm 23. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Highlight, you are with me. Oh, wow. Man, fear goes when you're convinced that he's with you. His rod and his staff. The rod, the rod was used to kill animals. The rod was used to protect the sheep, but the staff was the, the gentle instrument that brought the sheep close. One was comfort and one was pain. Because I know who my God is, that he is the lion and the lamb. It brings me comfort. He is with me. You are with me. Help, help God, help me to believe that. Let's go to Psalm 139, please. Psalm 139. 
again, we're focusing on the character and nature of God. God is love. He is the God that wants to be with his people. The Bible is a story about that from beginning to end. Verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path. My lying down are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Look, you can't hide from God. He knows it all. All of the bad thoughts that you have, all of the profane thoughts that you have, he sees those, he knows those. And he still died for you on the cross because he loves you. Everything you're worried about, you might as well bring him into that worry. Because he knows it anyway. When you feel like You know, God, where are you? Where are you? Man, may you ever, forever remember Psalm 139 and you go into your closet and you begin to put your finger there. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. God, I don't believe this. I don't believe this passage, God. It doesn't feel like this, God. I want to know this passage, God. I want to know you, God. And we cry out to know him more. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, you know it all together. We can't even comprehend that. I don't want to think about that too much. He already knows this sermon's going to be bad. Thank you, I got the two laughs there. Verse 5, you hem me in. Behind and before, you lay your hand upon me. Now, a lot of us are like, him, me, in? What is he, what is he, sewing us up with something? Let me, let me just read uh, the New Living Translation, okay? It says, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Go ahead and put your hand on your head. Yeah. Yeah. So God... May I walk this week with like this weight of a hand on my head so I can believe this verse. Maybe you want me to walk around the office this week like this. And people are going to be like, what's going on, dude? Man, God's hand is on me, bro. It's amazing. Let me put my hand. No, don't do that. Like. Do you walk around like God's hands on me? Now, we've seen people do that in pride. Don't do that. Hey, bro, God's hands on me. 
No, God, your hand is on me. His hand is on me. His hand has always been on you. His hand has knit you together in your mother's womb. His hand is on you. It will not come off of you if you are blood-bought, if you are purchased, if you put your faith in Christ. He cannot take his hand off of you. And this is why we step into the promises of God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. We stand in Christ because Christ will never leave us or forsake us. His hand is always on us. Some of you, we're talking about inner healing. You go into the room. Oh, I didn't do my devotions. I've had a bad week. I, I feel like a mess. I just said st- something stupid on the way here to my spouse. And I don't think because of that, God's hand is on me. You know why? It's, again, he's trying to get rid of our performance. I want that little star on my piece of paper when I get an A. No, I want two stars. I never got stars. And we're trying to operate with God like we did our teacher to please him by what we do and how we do it. You can't please God because he's pleased with the blood of his son on the cross. He has full pleasure in you despite what you do or don't do. You know what pleases him? We talked about it last week. Let me just read it. Let me go reverse here. Genesis 5, 24. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Hebrews eleven five. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Enoch pleased God because he walked with God. He just wants to walk with you, Christian. Stop trying to do things for him. Stop trying to perform. Even if we're not careful, this concept of abiding and never losing the consciousness of God can become a performance. And we've got to be convinced and rest in his love that he's with us. Let's go back to Psalm 139, verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high, I cannot attain it. That's the truth. And that's why you and I are dependent on revelation from God for him to reveal how much he loves you and how much he wants to be with you. Because you can't attain it. It's too high. It's too high for you. We're like kids We need our dad to reveal. Where shall I go from your spirit? Capital S, verse seven. Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed to Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Even if I say that surely darkness shall cover me and the light above me be night, even darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as this day for the darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you because I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Now, that tripped me up for a long time. Listen to what it's speaking to. It's speaking about the creation of man. Where was Adam made? In the dust of the earth, in the earth, okay? So it's speaking to all mankind now because it already said, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Does that make sense? Okay. Your eyes, verse 16, saw my unum. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I want you to highlight that, please. Some of you are worried right now. How do I know I'm doing God's will? How do I know this is going to be the one he wants me to marry? What if I miss it? What if I miss that? What if I, what if I, what if I, uh, 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 uh. hey, stop it. You can't miss God's will. If you begin to believe that he's with you and you walk with him. He gives a very clear command that we break all the time. And it's like it's it people justify it away. It's Matthew 6, 34. It says, do not worry about tomorrow. Today has enough what? Trouble of its own. And we break that constantly. Was Adam, oh, Lord, when are you going to give me a wife? No, he was like, dude, look at that animal. That animal's that. That animal's that. He's just right. He goes to bed. God's operating because God is sovereign. He's divine in his providence and his movement. And he says, man, it's not good for Adam to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a rib. I'm going to make another woman. Boom. Adam wakes up. Whoa, man. That's the original Hebrew. (laughs) Whoa, man. And and listen, not only that, well, I I won't go into that. So, (laughs) so anyway, help me, Lord. So Adam wakes up, and did he have to plan? Did he have to, right? Guess what? We, We have a covenant with God. And he says, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed to me, formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So I want you to put there Ephesians 2.10. Why? Because that is a, a New Testament promise that aligns with this verse in the Bible. They're connected. Why? Because the Bible's connected through and through. Genesis through Revelation, there's connections back and forth. Why? Because God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship. We are his poem, poema in the Greek. 
created in Christ to do good works that he has prepared in advance that we should walk in them. And so you put Psalm 139 next to Ephesians 2.10 and you have the doctrine of, I cannot miss the will of God for my life as long as every day I simply say, not my will but yours be done. Help me to walk with you today, Dad. See how freeing that is? If, 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 put down Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 as well. What, a, what, a, what an amazing passage. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So here's the deal. So now we have three verses that go together. 139.16 of Psalms, Ephesians 2.10, and, and, and now we have Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is how you, you walk with the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So trust, it means to commit. Like, like God, all of my heart, I just trust you. I trust you. I trust in, in, in what it says in Psalm 30, 139. I trust Ephesians 2. And I want to acknowledge you every step of the way. I just want to keep acknowledging you today every step of the way, right? I don't want to lean on my own understanding. I don't want to try to figure out, and guess what? Guys, we don't have to figure everything out. We don't have to understand everything. You get into trouble when you do that, actually. Trying to figure it all out. No, 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 no. It says lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Just to look to him and and he will make your path straight? Yeah, he has a path that he has you on when you walk with God, Emmanuel, abiding in Christ, saying, not my will, but yours be done. Acknowledging, trusting, right? You will accomplish what God has planned for you. But it's not about accomplishing what he has planned for you. It's about you learning how just to walk with him, whether he has anything for you to do. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts, O God. So in Isaiah 55, it says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth. How high is that? We don't know. So are his thoughts and ways higher than ours. We're not on his level Say, I'm not on his level. Yeah, yeah. They're precious. Your thoughts are precious. If we really believe God's thoughts are precious, man, would you think we, we would dwell on our thoughts less? How, oh God, how vast the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. There it is again. It's a summation. With you. I never forget when my son was born, I was on a prayer walk on the beach. And I was trying to focus on God. I was trying to pray. But my mind kept drifting to my son. Is it, is it me, or does anybody get sidetracked during prayer? 
So I'm drifting, and, I, and pow, Chris, big dummy, what's wrong with you? Now, that's horrible thinking, by the way, because sometimes the drift is your father. But I kept drifting to my son, kept drifting to my son. In my heart, I just wanted to hold him. I just wanted to be with him, right? Cute little baby boy, right? When they're little, they're like, will you hold me? Will you pick me up? I miss those days. And I just, but I'm, but I'm, I'm like, I, I need to go be with you, God. And all of a sudden, this verse right here, this verse right here hits me. Chris, you know how you keep thinking about your son? Look at the sand. I have more thoughts for you. If you who are evil think like that about your son, if your son is taking all your focus right now and all your attention right now because you just want to be with him right now, how much more am I, your perfect father, thinking about you all the time because I just want to hold you? This is the love of God. And I'll never forget that. Let's go to Isaiah 7, please. So here we are going through the Bible. And, and again, I encourage you guys that, that this time on Sunday is not just like, okay, yeah, this, this is good. I, you know, I hope that this, you know. No, take these verses and ask God to burn them into you so that you begin to live like their truth. That's discipleship. Isaiah 7, 14. And many of us know this passage, right? It says, behold, the virgin shall conceive. We know now that that was Mary, but this was written 700 years, five to 700 years before Christ was born. It's a prophecy. She shall conceive and, and bear a son, and, and she'll call his name what? Emmanuel. What's Emmanuel mean? God is with us. So we've been in Genesis. God is with us. Psalm 23, right? For thou art with me, your rod and staff. Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? You are with, you are with. Again, this is the story of God throughout the Bible that he wants to be with his people. I want you to go ahead and we'll skip to the end here. Revelation 21, 3. This is the intention of God from beginning to end that he just wants to dwell with us. He just wants to be with us. That's the purpose of the cross. He spilled his blood to adopt us into his family because he loves us. Revelation 21, verse 3. This is our home. This is where we're going. Some of you have been through a hard season. It's okay. It's about to be over. And when this happens, it is going to be considered a light and momentary affliction compared with the glory that is going to be revealed. I cannot wait. There, this passage represents no more flesh on my bones, so I don't drift and think about nachos. This represents that Satan's head is crushed, and there is no more enemy. There is no more evil. Evil is banished, and it is just God and his love and his presence and his perfect bliss. It is heaven, and this is the heart of God. This is the reason why. For the whole thing, it's right here. 
And I heard a loud voice. Do you think he's excited? Chris, I don't like when you get loud. Hey, read your Bible. A loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Highlight that. He wants to abide. He wants to dwell. Abide, dwell, stay, be in my arms. And he will dwell with them. It's the second time, dwell. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them. Third time, third time, with, with, with. With them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Oh, guys, I can't wait. I can't wait. We are supposed to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. Where? On earth. You will not reach the fullness of abiding in the presence of God until you go to heaven. And that's okay. That's okay. But if it's in heaven, Jesus told us to pray it, that it happens here on earth. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 10, 21. Some of us have a block in our lives because we look at what we've done we look at our perform performance maybe we still are carrying shame from our past condemnation from our past life maybe we had a childhood where dad worked so much he kind of neglected me so I look at God like he's 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 just kind of busy off doing other things but it's me by myself you know, whatever it may be, whatever that block is, I want you to see this in your mess, in your rebellion, in your stuff. Mark ten twenty one, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. You need to highlight that. There are things in your life right now that you do not want to surrender to God. I didn't get one witness? Okay, yeah, because we wouldn't have any budget issues or uh, volunteer issues or uh, if everybody was fully surrendered. We all have... The rich young ruler syndrome. Whatever it is. Whatever it is that we don't want to give up. And Jesus puts his finger on that. And you've been fighting him. And you've been wrestling with him. And you're like, no, 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 no. And guess what? I wrestle with God too. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm like this right now. But would you, by your grace, begin to peel my fingers off because I just don't want to give this up? That's your dad. He's good. Jesus is looking at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack, go 
Sell all you have and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus knew he wouldn't do it. He still loved him. What is holding you back today? Don't act like, you know, you're not holding any, you know what I mean? There are things, there are things. There's always going to be things. And just when you think, you're like, okay, I'm good now. What happens? Oh, no, I didn't know that was in there. Andrew Murray says this, I've surrendered my surrender because I can't accomplish my surrender. Andrew Murray's smart. You might want to write that one down. This is the story of the Bible where God comes to people in their mess. God came to Abraham. That guy that said, uh, yeah, that's not my wife, that's my sister. And he lied because of fear. And then 12 years later, he did it again. Wives, how would you like that one? So he came to a fearful Liar that didn't trust. God came to Jacob. He was a deceiver. He met him. He made a covenant with Abraham and and, and also Jacob. He came to Jacob the deceiver. God came to a murderer named Moses. If there's any murderers in here, you don't have to raise your hand. But that doesn't offend God. He came to Moses, the murderer. He came to disobedient Jonah. I will not go there. I'm going the opposite way, God. He still came to Jonah. He came to an insecure guy named Gideon who was working and hiding stuff because the bad Midianites were coming and this angel shows up and says, Gideon, the Lord is with you, oh mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, what? You're talking to me, man? He, he wasn't Cuban. You're talking to me, bro? Uh, so, 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 God comes to him, he's fearful, and he also says, hey, I'm the smallest in my clan. So he was insecure, he didn't think he had what it takes, and he's hiding, he's a fearful guy, and God says, hey, get up, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Wow. Then he did the whole fleece thing, why? Because he didn't really believe. And God still came. He came to King David through the prophet Nathan after he broke all Ten Commandments. He coveted somebody's wife. He committed adultery. He lied, trying to cover it up. He stole 
after he, he killed the husband and tried to come. I'm talking about God came to David after he did all of that. We got Elijah, who was in the cave, afraid, whining. How many whiners we got out there? Yeah, can I get a witness? I whine, my, my wife, right? She can testify. If I don't get what I want, I can whine. God came to him scared in a cave, alone, crying about, I'm the only one left. And he came and met him with that still small voice. And not only that, not only that, he gave him Elisha. Why? Because he met him because he felt alone. And he gave him a companion. He didn't condemn him. I'm Emmanuel. I should be enough. You don't need it. Right? No, he... Why did God come to those guys? Because he loves them. He loves us. He loves us in our mess. He wants to be with us, despite us. He wanted to walk with them. He wanted to talk with them. He wanted to dwell with them. And, and, and he used them. He used them to also love other people and save other people. And we see this culminating in the life of Jesus. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. This culminates, it, 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 so, so we see Genesis through Revelation, God's intention is to abide, God's intention is to dwell, God's intention is to be with us, we see that very clearly, and then Jesus comes, who is Emmanuel, who is God with us, because God wants us to understand how much he loves us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh man, he loves us. Matthew chapter one, verse 20. Joseph was gonna divorce Mary or break off the engagement. It says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived is in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We are already there, Isaiah seven fourteen. This was the fulfillment of that prophecy. So God has been saying, I want to be with you, I want to be with you, I want to be with you, and all of a sudden the delivery package comes. Baby Jesus, God with us. Let's go to Matthew 11, please. I'm trying to keep you in the same books so you're not flip-flopping. Matthew 11, verse 28, please. Matthew 11, verse 28. Listen to the cry in Jesus' heart. It says, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. 
I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And we know like yoke in the Hebrew means his teaching. And, 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 and also it's an apparatus that goes around the neck of animals. And they're yoked together. A yoke of oxen. It keeps them together. And what Jesus is saying is I want to be yoked with you. I I want you to come with me. I am stronger. You are weaker. Come and be yoked with me. Come be lost in my love. Come abide in me. Are you weary and heavy laden? Listen, give that over to me and just put my yoke upon you so we can walk together in love. I'm carrying your burdens right now because I'm with you. Don't think you got to handle this yourself. We're in this together. And Peter, it says, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. But if we don't cast, how can he care? If we want to keep it. No, I like my yoke. I know I like my yoke. And, we, and, and, and that is funny, but you know how, how, you know the kind of yokes I hear from people? Oh, I'm just from New York, so that's just how I am. Woo, you want to keep that yoke? Oh, I'm Irish, so I got a temper and I, I like to drink. Oh, you want to keep that yoke? And we can keep going through stuff. And people, it's like they have these little pets that they want to keep themselves. My precious. Instead of saying, okay, God, my temper, it's not mine anymore. I'm releasing it to you. Is there any anger that's there? I'm releasing that to you. Is there anybody I, I, I have hatred for? I'm releasing that to you. Would you carry that? Would you carry that? Would you be my advocate? You are with me. I'm yoked up to you. I want you to go to Matthew 23, 37. His cry, his cry, I want them with me. Come to me, come to me, come to me. And here is Jesus, and he just, he's at the end of his ministry, and he knows he's going to get hung on the killed on the cross. And um, by his very own people, his very own people that he came to save because he loves. And, and, and listen, he just, go, he, he goes through a whole list of woes. Woe to you. It's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than it is for you. There's different levels of hell, by the way. And Jesus is speaking about that. Because I am here. Woe to you. Woe to you. Woe to you. Right? And then he gets to the end. And he's like, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. So he was truthful about the fact that people do not want prophets. They do not want the truth. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. That is rebellion, and he's speaking right to that. This city, you're like that. You kill them because you want to do what you want to do. 
How often? How often? How often? How often? All the time. All the time he's trying to give you a one-minute hug. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. I long to gather you under my wings, but you would not come. You were not willing. This is the love of God. Even to a people that he just said, whoa, 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 whoa. He's still, he's still by his grace saying, I want to hold you even though you're going to kill me. Let's go to John 6, 28 and 29. Actually, let's not go there. Let's go to Psalm 68, 5, please. simplicity of these last two messages is this. You and I have to really believe that God really loves me. And the second thing is, because he loves me, his intention is to abide in me. Because he loves me, his intention is to abide in me. See, we think we've got to figure out how to abide. Forget that right now. Forget steps right now. This foundation of abiding has to be built on you being convinced that God loves you and that his desire is to abide in you. That is his attention. That's what we've seen from Genesis to Revelation. I want to be with you. I want to gather them in my arms. And see, some of us, have an orphan spirit. Chris, what do you mean by an orphan spirit? Don't get hung up on spirit. I'd say orphan soul, orphan heart, whatever. We live like orphans. I've lived like orphans before while, while as a pastor, thinking that my dad wasn't going to provide. An orphan. I'm operating as if no one's there with me. And the truth is, the truth is, Ephesians 1, it says that God, because of his love, has adopted us. God has adopted us into his family. John 14, 18, Jesus says to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. If you're a Christian, you're not an orphan. You don't live like I'm the only one, I'm so alone, I have no one for me. No, you are with God, you are with God, you're adopted into his family, and you need to focus in on Isaiah 68, verses 5. It says this, God is a father to the fatherless, 
a defender of widows, this God whose dwelling is holy, God places the lonely in families. I'm reading the New Living Translation because I just like it a little bit better. But to really understand God is the father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, this is who our God is. He wants to father us. He wants to gather us under his wings. Psalm 91, who, who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. God is always longing to do that, to take us in. This is who he is in his holy dwelling. In verse 6, God places the solitary or the lonely in families. You feel so alone as you keep walking with God. You understand you've got a family. And as we begin to receive this. The adoptive heart of God. And we begin to have this burnt into us. And we understand what the family of God is, which is the church, the body of Christ. We begin to become people that love like God loves. And we become people that are fathers to the fatherless, defender of widows and orphans, just like God in his holy habitation, setting the lonely in families. Why? Because that's what the Spirit does. That's what the Spirit is doing. And when we begin to walk in that, just by default, we will do that. Let me say that again. When we begin to walk in that, by default, we will do that. And that's why the yoke is easy and the burden's light, because we move from the inside out. Jeremy, play that video, please. Holy Spirit, have your way. I'm Jamie. I'm John. We were fortunate enough to grow up in a Christian household, and we both got saved at a young age. But if we're being honest, we weren't truly living for God's glory. In 2003, we met and then 2005, we were married. One of the greatest things we had in common is we always wanted to work with children or care for children in some way. We always wanted to foster in some way, but we weren't sure when the right time would that to happen would be. But in 2016, she went to an informational section at church and she came, she, they showed her a video called Removed. She came home and showed that to me and it just absolutely broke us. So we decided we needed to act now. Uh, we started the licensing process when our oldest was seven, our youngest was five. And we explained to them what foster care was, but they didn't really know what level of brokenness and loss we were about to bring into our home. The question we get asked a lot during this foster care journey was, aren't we harming our own biological kids in the process? You know, aren't we causing harm to them or are we hurting them? And to be very truthful, the answer is yes, because this really is a collision of two worlds. Maddie and Logan's world was a world of safety, stability, love, and Jesus and we were colliding with a world of brokenness and loss. Just despite knowing that there's gonna be collateral damage within this um, colliding of these two different worlds, we knew that God was sovereign and he's gonna make all these things to his glory. Our first placement was reunified with her dad in 2018. And at that time, we got a call from our licensing support worker urging us to take a sibling group. 
which again wasn't in our plan. We were only licensed for one child. We had planned on just taking one child into our home, but the shelter that these boys were in desperately needed a break. They needed respite for the summer, and so we said yes, we would take the boys for the summer. When the boys were placed with us, Luke was four years old and Aaron was two and a half. Just despite Luke being so young, you could just see the anger in his eyes and Aaron had so many medical issues that have been neglected for so long. It was like, how is he gonna get all those, the attention that he needs and deserves? The goal for the plan was for the, the boys to go back to their mom. Mom had a parenting plan in place. The goal was reunification. Um, and they were having infrequent visits with mom during this time period. They ended up staying with us past the 30 days. But then after that, um, Luke's behaviors set in when he started VPK, really upset, trashed the classroom, got brought up to the office, to the director's office. He was trashing that office. Nobody could control him. And needless to say, he was expelled from that school. At another school, he was got so angry, he strangled a young girl and actually left uh, his fingerprints around her neck. Luke would go have these tantrums that were two and three hours long breaking stuff in our home, breaking windows, destroying toys, breaking our other kids' toys, and hurting himself, trying to hurt others. And during this time, COVID hit. So our church kind of closed down and went completely virtual. We were so thankful to find out that Bow Down was still open and having face-to-face -face services. We needed church. We came to Bow Down and again, just such a God thing that the second service we were at, we found out that Bow Down was loving and serving the very community that our boys were removed from. Soon after that, we joined a house church and then the prayers started pouring in. Um, prayers for our situation, for healing, for peace, prayers for the boys, prayers specifically for Luke, Maddie and Logan and Aaron, just so many prayers. And that was one of the great things about House Church is that it was just prayers. It was no, oh, you should try this and you should do that because we had enough of that going on. When Luke's mom's rights were terminated at the beginning of 2022, Luke this whole time was very well aware of his status as a kid in foster care. He knew his mom wasn't completing her parenting plan. He had an understanding that there could be a situation where he wasn't going to go back with mom. When he finally accepted that, there was this level of rage that we hadn't yet experienced. He became angrier and more sad. And this is kind of where things hit the ceiling or the bottom fell out. Um, as we were inching our way to adoption, Luke's behaviors and rage intensified to where it completely broke me. I was exhausted. My kids were scared of him. I remember specifically during one of his tantrums, he was inside the living room and I was trying to keep him from harming himself and tearing our house apart. I sent our other kids outside for safety. And at that moment, I was texting with our people from our house church to just pray, drop everything and pray at this moment. And they did. It was in that moment that I realized I hadn't fully surrendered to the Lord. There was a part of me that was still trying to control this. And it took that for me to completely surrender to the will of God. I knew at that moment, God was the only one that could change Luke's heart. During these four years, um, we felt that God was asking us to adopt the, adopt the boys, but because of all the failed home studies and all the relatives, 
but it just it kind of felt like an arranged marriage. Um, I know that's horrible of me to say, but because there's most foster parents are like, oh, I love every kid. I couldn't possibly turn them away. How, how are you going to break your? It's going to break your heart if they ever leave you. Well, we're kind of like hoping they left would leave for that next year. Uh, literally hands and knees, I was surrendering daily to the will of God, praying more than I think I'd ever prayed before in my life. Our house church family was praying for us every day. And I can honestly say that those prayers changed the trajectory of our lives. On December 19th, 2022, we adopted the boys and there was so much peace and joy in that decision that only could have come from the Lord. Maddie and Logan got to see the brokenness and the loss, but then they also got to experience God's mercy and faithfulness in that and the healing that took place. Uh, Adoption and foster care has really become our family mission to share the gospel with others. It's a tangible way that our kids can share Jesus. If God's placed something on your heart, don't wait to act on it like we did for so long. Time is just so short. I think back of when Pastor Chris shared that video of Francis Chain and the rope analogy and just how short of time we have on earth to act, right? But it was actually the, uh, our kids who wanted to continue fostering. So with them being excited about it, um, which again is just unfathomable to me, um, that, that's just God, uh, we decided to continue fostering and we took in a seven month old, or. He's now seven months, but when we first got him, he was only seven days old. And we were actually able to adopt him, um, which was never the plan. So you have to take that step of faith and trust that God's going to meet you in those deep waters. And you have to surrender to his will. You might not like the plan that he has. You might not feel happy about the plan. But surrendering to the will of God is the only way that you're going to experience His peace and His joy that only He can give you. Mm. Wow. All right, worship team, come on up. Prayer partners, come on up. First of all... uh, Father, as we watch that story, we just thank you, God, for John and Jamie. We thank you, God, for their step of faith, their step of obedience, Lord. We thank you, God, even with the hard times, your love continued to move them on love, God, broke through. I thank you, God, for the house church as well. The family, the family that came around them, God, and the prayers that went up, God. Because you had a plan for those children that you knit in their mother's womb. They're part of our family now. They're here now with us we celebrate them because they are a blessing from you, God, fearfully and wonderfully made. And so, God, I pray today 
as we fix our eyes towards you, would your love, God, overwhelm us? I pray you would break off any any wrong kind of orphan mindset that's blocking the reality that you gave the blood of your one and only son to adopt us so that we can be your children. You paid the highest price for us in order to have us in your arms, which is your intention. It is your desire. It is your passion. And so, God, I pray as we sing this first song, you bring us to the place where we believe it and move from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.